when the regulations came out, the emergency regs came out a few weeks ago, I had a panic attack. We had a whole week of everybody just flipping out. about to turn 17. My younger son just turned 10. I'm a second generation cannabis farmer. My father grew cannabis my whole life and now I'm doing it myself with my husband for the last 20 years. We know that small farmers are really vital to cannabis, especially in Northern California. This has been a lifestyle, a way that people have chosen to live. They moved out into the woods to grow this amazing plant. That's what they've been doing for so long, and to have this threat of the looming industry, the tsunami wave coming. We're all feeling a little trepidatious and nervous about it, so we banded together to help each other. Basically, we're like, how are we going to survive this thing coming up? A lot of people are feeling confused about the new regulations, and they're not really sure where they fit and how their business fits the list of complications and frustrations started building. And the cost for processing is not going down, but the price of cannabis is going down. It's starting to put more and more of a burden on the small farmers. So we decided Mendocino Generations should stick to the things that it's really good at. We're really good at growing, trimming, and knowing how to tend the buds really well. We came up with 10 strains that would represent small, sustainable, organic, sun-grown flower. Cannabis in California is our heritage. Now we're going into the second and third, even fourth generation cannabis farmers. That's something really special, something that a lot of the other states don't have. A lot of states are becoming legal and going to the recreational market or even into the medical market, but they're not states that are known for cannabis. If the small farmer doesn't make it through this, it's gonna affect the economy of Mendocino County heavily going to affect the economy of California heavily too. People don't really realize that cannabis farmers are doing the same thing as everybody else. They're buying cars, they put their kids in school, they buy groceries, and if that money wasn't in the county that we live in, it's going to severely affect all businesses, small and large. Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Scotland. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCannabisSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at IamCannabisSativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at ICSativaPod. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM, Overcast, Radio Public, TuneIn, Stitcher, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes, as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this project in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing, please become a Patreon supporter of the podcast and support us. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to www.anchor.com dot fm slash i am cannabis sativa podcast slash support you can also support me on patreon at www 
www.patreon.com slash podcast. You can support this podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have a $5 tier if you are feeling extra generous. Howdy, y'all. So today, as I promised, we have a very special episode. I've wanted to sort of keep things under wraps because I, 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 I didn't want to give too much away to sort of spoil it for you guys. But at last, it's dropping. So this is the first part of our very special series of interviews um so this this first part is with chia rodriguez of mendocino generations um that's that's that was the um cold open that you guys just heard um she comes from a multi-generational line of cannabis farmers that have been growing in the emerald triangle specifically mendocino county for well over 40 years They have been very adaptable, and they grow the finest craft cannabis products. And um, she, Chia, got to spend some time and and talk about what what her family and what she has been doing over the years of cannabis, of craft cannabis growing. And um, I felt that we had a very good conversation. So, without further ado, here's the episode. Hi, hi, uh, is it Chaya? Am I saying that right? <laughs> it's Chia. Chia, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. That's okay, that's okay. Um, I am just realizing that uh, my time is getting pushed up against having to pick up my child from daycare. Um, I'm wondering if we're going to go for a solid hour, or how long do you want to Um. So, you know, so what, what time do you have to pick up your child? Well, I need to leave my house in about thirty minutes. So, all right. So we can go until we can go until three forty-five. Does is that is that all right? So what? Sorry. Okay. All right. So okay. So yeah, that that would work. So what time? Well, it's different. I think we're on the west. Are you on the west coast? Uh, no, I'm on the east coast. It's three. It's it's currently three twenty-three. So I'm guessing it's uh twelve twenty for you right now yeah okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. all right so so I, okay so I'll, I'll 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 so we can get to what we get to in, in in the time frame so um so i just wanted to sort of start off um so i i grew up with with, with three older sisters that i i grew up looking up to and um and i i noticed and i know that in in cannabis that you know it's still sort of a male dominated field um what what advice do you have for the women and the warriors of of cannabis that want to get into this for the first time oh good question um well i'm assuming you know a little bit about my background um through looking looking me up but um you know i I did work with a distributor recently uh for the last year i was working at a distribution company um which i have just recently stopped working at but, you know, in in that realm, on like more of the professional side outside of cultivation, which is more of where my focus is, um, you know, it's a it's a hard game, just like in anywhere else in the professional realm. You know, you got to be professional. You need to stand out. You have to have some skills that make you um, unique. And and you know, at this level, there's so much creativity 
in the cannabis industry, as you can see, and it's like this blossoming industry where there's all kinds of different things going on from cannabis-centered events to cannabis yoga to cannabis, you know, companies, edibles, everything out there. And so I think the way to stand out right now is to have something unique, you know, bring something unique to the table um, that's creative and different because there's so much of the same stuff going around. Anybody can slap a label on some edibles and, you know, have good branding and, and draw people in, but does it retain customers? You know, that's something that on the retail side, on the customer front, bringing that, the ingenuity, the uniqueness, something different to the table is really um, required right now. Awesome. I, I, I totally, I totally get that. Um, with sort of doing like, like we're sort of doing sort of my podcast. Like I, like there's so many other like cannabis podcasts out there. There are doing news, there are doing activism, all that sort of stuff. But like I, mm. when I, when I, like during this year, during the sophomore year of it, I've been having to sort of specialize. And my main point is bringing cannabis to regular people, to regular working people and, and, and getting them ways they can get affordable medicine. So I, so just mm-hmm. sort of providing something specific that others aren't providing. I, I, I totally, totally mm-hmm. appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. So to, to latch on to that question, um, so could you sort of go over like to, to the audience who is an acquaintance, the history of Mendocino generation, um, what got your organization as well as the rest of your alliance to want to grow and cultivate cannabis? Well, uh, for me, I was born into the industry. I'm a second generation cannabis farmer. My father moved to back to the land to the commune back in 1976. And, um, Everybody there cultivated cannabis because it was an easy way to make money that, you know, back when it went for three, four thousand dollars a pound here on the West Coast. And um, it was really easy to, you know, you could grow a minimal amount and do pretty well and live your simple, you know, back to the land lifestyle pretty easily. Um, and so I was basically just born into it. I'm a daughter of the industry. I, you know, I took over my father's um, not, not too long after that, and we've been cultivating, this is our 21st season together, um, cultivating our 19th season on our own property. And so I've been in the industry forever, and same with a lot of the people in Mendocino Generations and in our community, ultimately, um, you know, this is what we call a heritage cannabis cultivation community. Um, some people have been cultivating now three generations, 40 years plus, you know, um, so there's it's really ingrained in our in our culture here. It's something that is really hard to explain to people who have never been to the Emerald Triangle. But in the Emerald Triangle, it's Humboldt, Mendocino County, and Trinity Counties. And I live in Mendocino County, of course, hence the name Mendocino Generations. And the name really um, plays homage to um, the cultivators, craft cultivators that have been here for generations. And also the multiple generations of the, the cultivars and the plants that have been grown here and have been passed around, you know, seeds, you know, like a lot of the farmers just share seeds after the season's over and plants when the spring is, you know, popping off and they have too many and they give them to their friends or whatever. Yeah. Brought in you know, unique lineages. And so we have something really special here that doesn't really exist anywhere else. 
Wow. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, just, just from afar over in like the East coast, I just like, I, I've, I've, I've watched like a a multitude of sort of documentaries on like the Emerald Triangle and, it's just it's, mm-hmm. it's something that's just really hopefully hurting. not murder mountain don't let murder mountain uh skew your view <laughs> kind of a crazy crazy documentary <laughs> um i mean i only watched like i want to say the first or like like i want to say the first two episodes of it and like i've mm-hmm. I, i've heard that it was like i heard it was very sensationalized and i felt that they were going yeah, for exactly. an angle you know for a very specific angle that oh it's you know, it's like the wild, wild west, and it's just like. Right. But um, but from other documentaries that were much more objective that I watched, it's just more of a, it's more of like a sort of, it's more, it's more of like a self like like er, like there's there are people that get into this that want to farm off the land and farm cannabis, but people take care of each other, and it's not as it's not as crazy as as everyone is saying. Every people do their right. thing. Right. There's definitely pockets of some shady things going on. There's definitely pockets of violent, you know, activities, criminal stuff going on. There's definitely a lot of people hiding out in the woods that still won't come forward and don't want to and probably shouldn't come forward in the legal market. They're they're just not in that frame of mind, you know. Um, And so, you know, there's still a lot of that going on, of course. You're never going to stop the black market. It's always going to be there in every industry, really. Um, and so, you know, we just kind of, those, those people, you know, a lot of those people are, are part of the community too, and do come out to events and show their face here and there. But for the most part, that kind of activity is really hidden and you don't really see it a lot, but you do hear stories and horror stories, about you know, all kinds of things, kidnappings to, you know, thefts to deaths and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's still a reality here. Definitely. There's, Currently, as we speak, there's a cannabis hostage situation going on in Trinity County that was in the news yesterday. So, you know, these kind of things do pop up and and um, still make, I think, some of the lawmakers question why they wanted to move forward with cannabis legalization. They're, you know, they want to eradicate that kind of uh, behavior. But, you know, in, in some ways, I think that the broken regulation that's happening here in California, specifically in in the, you know, some of the counties in the Emerald Triangle and, you know, Northern California, where this has been going on so long, it's like the, the state has tried to create a system after the, you know, it's putting the cart before the horse or whatever. It's like that was already here. And they try to put some regulation around something that was, you know, pretty much working pretty well for a lot of farmers, you know, not the sales side, but the cultivation side and making it really challenging for us and in ways that really push people back to the black market and to continue that behavior because ultimately the white market isn't working well enough to survive, right? So people are going to fall back on what they know and what was working and what they need to do to sell their cannabis. And so that that strategy of trying to wipe out the black market didn't work and it's not going to. So, you know, we have to still live with that reality that there's like this, you know, both sides of the coin going on constantly. And a lot of farmers like me and my group of farmers who wanted to move forward with legalization, um, you know, not with lack of severe um, problems, you know, there's been so many different things going on. A lot of people drop into the wayside and deciding that legalization isn't for them and that maybe cultivation isn't for them at all. And that have, 
backed out and and stopped moving forward with their permitting process and their their licensing process at the state level and you know that's really sad it's a lot of farmers have been here forever having to deal with these changes and you know that when you see documentaries and and you know things going on we go you know it's for sure but at the same time there is that going on it just i don't like that to be the image of what people think you know, our area is like, it's not like you drive up any road in Mendocino County and feel like you're going to threaten with guns or something. It's just, you know, it, it's a culture here and, and you know where not to go and who not to associate with and vice versa. So, um, you know, it's just something that we've, we've come to grapple with, you know, over the years and, and it's still a part of the industry. And, you know, we're trying to bring a lot of these farmers out into the light and, help them be recognized and honored and, you know, be a legitimate part of the solution and standing up for the rights and going to talk to the supervisors and, you know, all these things that it takes to create the system the way that we want it. And you have a voice, but it's been scary. If you're living in the shadows for so long, to suddenly feel comfortable, you know, putting your face on camera and talking about what you've been doing forever, right? That's a scary place to be. So. It has taken a lot of effort, a lot of um, time for people to feel comfortable. And I think even still, people will not get up to the microphone and speak out for what they believe in and what they're trying to do, even though it's on the legal side of things, because there is fear of being, you know, being uh, shut down or, you know, you don't want to admit that you've been selling in the black market for three years or whatever. It's, you know, it's a scary place to, to be, but. I think ultimately we have to stand up and we have to put our faces out there. We have to say the reality of what's happening. Otherwise, you know, people are just making the rules on our on our behalf without our voice. Definitely, yeah. Like it's 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 just sort of like California is coming from like a unique place because like people have been doing this for for generations and for like mm-hmm. longer than I've been born. I'm only I'm only thirty, but. Um, so there's like a lot of, like my state just recently legalized and there's a lot of people getting into homes that are both getting into commercial cultivation and home cultivation mm-hmm. for the first time. And so for like the new medical states and for the new, uh, recreational states where people can home grow or just people looking to start like a, a craft, a craft cannabis, uh, sort of establishment like what 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 advice would you have for newcomers getting into this well i would that's interesting because you know that happens here a little bit i do see people moving to this area to cultivate and and i guess it would just depend my advice would depend on where they are and what part of the industry they're trying to get into specifically if we're talking about cultivation you know depending on your state but i'll just advise for people here because i know this the best is that you know, our cultivation size is very limiting here in Mendocino County. And a lot of counties in California have the authority to limit um, more than what the regulation states. So um, they can't make it looser, but they can make it tighter, right? And so, you know, we I unfortunately live in a county where they gave a very small cultivation size. And so if somebody thinks they can just move into this county and start cultivating easily and make a lot of money, that's not going to happen because the the cultivation square footage area is just so limiting. But 
there is talk about expanding that, but at the same time, we're talking about heritage legacy cultivators versus big business now. If you're going to come in and grow an acre of cannabis, you need a lot of investment. And so it's not craft cannabis anymore. We're not talking about the same quality of product. So it just really depends on, you know, my advice would completely depend on where they're cultivating, what, you know, what county they're in and kind of what their idea is behind it. But I think ultimately it's like what I say to everybody in every realm of this industry is, you know, really focus on what you're good at because everybody wants to do everything. They want to try it all out and have their hand in every little bit from cultivation to, to retail. And, you know, some people do succeed at that, but ultimately I think focusing on something that you're really stellar at is going to get you farther than trying to do a little of everything. Yeah. That's, that's really smart. Like it's like, you don't want to, like you don't want to spread yourself like too thin. You want to sort of prioritize what you know that you're good at as opposed to trying to. Right. Right. Totally. And that's happened with my husband and, and our farm. My husband's name is Jamie and he, you know, has been breeding and, and cultivating here. Like I said, like this is our 21st season together. We just finished. And, um, you know, it, you, you want to do a lot of things because it's fun, right? There's like, this whole breeding side of cultivating. He wants to do that, but, and have a nursery and then also cultivate for production. But when you look at trying to combine seed production with flower production, it's a totally different ball game. And, and, you know, you'd have to have multiple properties to really make it super efficient. And we're trying to find ways to work that out on one piece of property, but it has put ourselves at risk by accidentally seeding our cultivation sites and things like that. Like, you know, there has been issues. And so, you know, I, I think that as much as he wants to, or we all want to like expand and do things, I think that it, you know, the lesson in the last year or so has been really like figure out what you really are good at, stick with that. And then once you kind of get that dialed in, add something new, <laughs> you know, because, you know, we run around in a lot of circles and, and trip over ourselves a lot. And, we, you know, we, tr- we have a brand and we have had a brand for Mendocino Generations, which didn't pan out very well um, for multiple reasons. But, you know, I, I think that's our lesson that we're learning right now is, um, you know, just focus on what you really like to do and what you're really good at. And that's going to shine. Definitely. And I, I know that time is limited, so I'll just ask you um, one more final question. So, um, so what? Like, we we all know that like gen- that getting the the most high quality genetics is is one of the most important aspects of of growing great cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are some of like what are some of the ways that you guys source the best genetics? Huh. Well, a little of everything. We have, like I mentioned, we've been passed down some some cultivars from neighbors and friends um, over the years that we've kept going through clones and also seed crosses. Um, so we started with like some Afghani Kush, for instance, and had crossed that with, you know, we had some Romulan came in at some point, which is a strain I don't really see very often these days um, in the distribution realm. But, you know, we we had some of those um, cultivars back in the day and kept them going and different phenotypes would stand out for us. And we try to keep that going. And then maybe we'd want to bring in a CBD, like that's what we're doing right now. It's trying to perfect a a one-to-one. And so we're trying to find a high CBD ratio 
plant that has some of the attributes that we like or that we need to have for the property that we live on. So, um, you know, ideally we have shorter season um, flowering plants because the winter weather is a you know a disaster for for cultivating long-term sativa style plants. And so, you know, even though we do have some really amazing sativas, they tend to um, a couple of them tend to finish earlier because of the things that we have crossed them with. And so bringing in some of those like indica genetics to shorten up this cycle um, and they are retaining their sativa effects and maybe they look more sativa, but you know, their shape or their, their growing cycle is different and more leaning towards the indica side. Um, so, you know, we're playing with genetics constantly and accidentally and some of the, you know, happy accidents have turned out to be kind of cool, unique crosses and play with that and bring somebody else's pollen. You know, we have people that give us pollen or give us seeds or give us plants. And so we might buy some seeds from Humboldt Seed Company or something of the like and then mix those in. So we just came from the Emerald Cup last weekend and that's a huge event here. Um, in Sonoma County that honors the Emerald Triangle, ultimately the whole state of California. But, um, you know, we found some seed companies there that have some genetics that we thought maybe we'd try out. So we'll see what the season brings. But, you know, that's kind of how it goes. It's sort of a, a series of happy accidents. Wow. That's a to- totally fascinating. I, I just like I, I like I like I hear a lot about like sort of veto hunting and I've also watched like the the show screen hunters but like hearing mm-hmm. like sort of firsthand from multi-generational farmers on how you know the how sort of happy accidents you try to look for something that feels going to, <laughs> to, right. to to be excellent and then you know it's you never know how it's going to turn out but ultimately you get something that's amazing that the the customers really want to buy so it's just it's just amazing learning firsthand how how pheno hunting works yeah, for sure. And, you know, my husband has done a lot of um, studying on genetics and cannabis cultivars and things. And at the same time, I mean, you can try different techniques, but you never really know what's going to happen. And these days, the testing is a, a factor because it's, it's quite expensive to test everything, right? And so you you kind of find the ones that you think are like the unicorns, and then you, you know, follow those through and take the samples to the lab and see what the potency and you know, comes out like or the terpenes and then, you know, maybe ultimately that it doesn't pan out. So it's kind of funny just to see if you were to map out our farm's lineage of all the strains that we've had, you know, a lot of them have exactly the same parent and the same combination, but say like one comes out with just extremely high limonene terpenes and it's more sativa presenting and the other exact same parent, you know, crossed with itself, basically, has stabilized that genetic and it's moved down the the generations and it's, you know, come out completely different, super high indica presenting totally different. So it's very fascinating and I have, um, you know, something that we want to learn more about, basically, but we've started playing around with working with the um, MAPS, which is the Mendocino Appalachian Program. And this is a really fascinating thing that maybe we could do a whole episode around um, another time, but and I could direct you to people to, to talk to specifically about this, is that we know that certain strains grow best in certain regions. 
And it's all about the soil, the amount of light hours, the amount of wind, the amount of rain, the amount of, you know, sun exposure, all that stuff. And the soil, you know, the native soil versus the potted soil and all those other factors combined, you see a lot of differences in the in the plants that are maybe grown in native soil versus potting soil with the same growing conditions and they come out quite different. And so, you know, this is something that's a big marketing tool that we can use, but it's also fascinating and brings around, you know, kind of brings it all full circle, the history, the cultivars that have been here, the region, the plants, you know, and the cultivators all together and to show, you know, what's, what's shining here and why. And that's why Mendocino County and the Emerald Triangle is such a, a premier region for cultivating it's because all those things work so synergistically together just perfectly to create, you know, the fascinating <laughs> like array of genetics that we have here. Um, so, you know, we have a unique little spot. We don't have a ton of water and we didn't have any native soil that we were really able to use because we live on top of a rock. And so I had to, my husband ultimately had to bring in all the soil and do the, you know, to, to like basically get all the rocks out and mix it with some of the native soil and then over time it has sort of like um, naturalized them and we've been adding to it we add forest dust like leaves and sticks and good bacteria from the trees around here and then we add you know our compost and we add layers of straw and live mulch and all these things to over time build amazing soil and so you know that that's something that really plays in with why the Emerald Triangle is, is so amazing. That sort of that belt around the planet, all the cannabis just seems to grow so good in there, but more specifically this region. And so, you know, we've, we've played with genetics over the years to try to weed out um, powdery mildew or botrytis, which is like bud rot basically, um, and see which plants are less susceptible to bugs or diseases or other pests. Um, and so that's, you know, something that factors into the reasons why we cultivate certain genetics here. Wow. It's very, very fascinating. And um, this is really going to sort of like help my audience because I, I have people from all over the, from all over the United States that, that um, listen to me. Um, but like you mm-hmm. said, it's, it's, it's really going to depend on, on your region, on, on, what part? Mm-hmm. What what your what the soil is like there? The weather, the climate, all that. But I but I'm exactly. sure that people are going to be able to apply some of the lessons you've learned from from cultivating Mendocino, and then they're going to be able to sort of apply to their sort of individual situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's just like a fun experiment, you know. <laughs> really, is what it's turned turned out to be. It's like, oh, well, that happens to work out really well, and that's you know my favorite strain. Or we lose a strain, and then a happy accident will happen where somebody happens to have a plant we gave them years ago. It was something else, but you know it's still really similar, and and we get it back. So that happened to us this last year um, with a strain called the Green Door that we had forever, and it was amazing. Sativa, my favorite thing to smoke and and smell. Um, and it was a very long season plant. And anyways, short story, like, you know, out of a really long one, there was a fire here. And so the nursery that was keeping our genetics going, um, the power went out and all the plants died. Oh. And so um, we lost that genetics. But then we got it back through another friend. And then another, we gave some plants to a few people. 
And then they crossed it with something different, which made it even more like a, a true sativa, um, more long, long season. And anyway, so we have a sister of, of that variety back, um, actually three different plants that we were able to cultivate this year that we really love and we're keeping those genetics going. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen. It's always kind of a, every season's different. And we always say, you know, there's a famous saying here at the end of every season, everybody's like, well, there's always next year, you know, because you never know. There's always an issue. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time and being patient with um, sort of the tech issues you were running into. Um, oh, I think it was more my fault. I'm sorry. No, no, no worries. <laughs> I couldn't figure out the Skype thing. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I run into stuff too. Like just before, like my, my okay, so it was like, it was, um, what's the name? It was two. 50 or 255 in my time my internet was fine and then like 256 like it wasn't connecting so i had to restart my router and then <laughs> before you know it it was 1202 and then we're trying to figure right. out the and <laughs> right but no yeah. worries yeah if you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project there are a few ways that you can do so supporting us helps us keep the lights on pay rent pay for hosting and equipment and travel and you can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash i am cannabis sativa podcast slash support you can also support me on patreon at www.patreon.com slash ic sativa podcast you can support the podcast for as little as one dollar a month we also have a five dollar tier if you're feeling extra generous Additionally, if you wish to get in contact with us, you can leave a voice message on Anchor. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash I am Cannabis Sativa podcast and click the send voice message button and I may just play it on a future episode. You can also call and leave a voicemail at 617-466-9389. That is 617 617- Four six six nine three eight nine, and I may just play it on a future episode. Feel free to try Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp-based products. You can check them out by hitting the link https colon slash slash bit dot ly slash three three four k r v nine, and you can enter the following codes. Dog treat twenty, tincture twenty, forty percent off ISO, fifteen percent off CBD entire store, and you can also get inexpensive CBD flower directly to your door quickly and cheaply in New England and the rest of the United States by going to https colon slash slash shop dot boston empire dot com slash question mark ref equals d scotland and my email to contact me is i am cannabis sativa at gmail.com and as always stay medicated my friends peace out and ciao